Grown up, in between, turning babies. Right about now, it's your boy, you heard, back again. Welcome to the Blitz with Rob and Chris, presented by Boot Crew Media. Rob, what it do? What's up? What's up? Uh, you know, another Super Bowl. Another, another damn dud. Another dud. You know, I, I don't know. I feel like Miami is a Super Bowl curse for me. I've been here for three years. Uh, we had a 13-3 Super Bowl. And every time I go out to Super Bowl parties, and I'm not like a big go out to Super Bowl party person because I like to see my commercials. I like to be able to rewind, look at the plays because – you know, we had some good games in the past. You talk about that Seattle, uh, New England game, this New England Eagles game. I mean, we've had some some really entertaining Super Bowls in the past. But these last three, uh, New England uh, Rams, uh, 49ers, Chiefs, and now Chiefs, Tampa Bay, they were just bad football games to watch. Rob, I'm, I'm not going to let, let you lie to our listeners. You're the most going out person I know. Stop, stop bullshit. <laughs> talk, talking about Super Bowl parties. I'm talking about Super Bowl parties. Right, I like. I, I'm a. I'm a. Somebody, I'm a, somebody I'm a, listening that he, he like. I like. I'm a Super Bowl house party person. All so right. Since I've been in Miami, I've been a Super Bowl, either club or outdoor venue person. That's that's really outside of my comfort zone when it comes to the game because people be you know you you around a lot of casual fans who have no idea what's going on and they clapping at the wrong times and they don't understand under the penalties asking questions it gets a little annoying listen man rob be in them streets y'all <laughs> don't fool you but listen i was listening to one of our sister pies the girls room uh on, on boot crew media and, and he asked an interesting question i wanted to pose to you since you're a single man on these, out in these streets on, on these these date naps uh they, they talked about getting tired of asking people you know on on tinder that they match with what's your favorite color joking about you know like same old boring ass questions so they were they were trying to come up with what's a good question a unique question uh you could ask when you're trying to get to know somebody so i wanted to pose that question to, to the same oh i'm not i'm not i'm not even gonna lie i'm unique, i'm not unique at all on the dating apps <laughs> i cast a wide net <laughs> There's a lot of there's a lot of right swipes and a lot of what's ups. <laughs> and whoever responds to the what's up, that's who gets conversation. Now, if you have something interesting in your profile, and that's why I throw it back on women, because they like to be like, you need to be original. Well, if you don't have anything in your profile, what am I supposed to start a conversation with you about? And I've noticed some women will. They'll stop responding to you if you ask, like, OK, so where are you from? But it's also like that is a natural question, right. especially in Miami, where a lot of people that you might swipe right on um, are, are just in town visiting for the weekend. So the natural initial question is, are you, you know. Here for a good time or a long time, you know what I'm saying? You got to ask that. You got to figure so, that out. So, so what's the most unique question? What's the best question you ever asked five five single listeners out there? The best question I ever asked. I don't know. I might have to. You know what? Give me some time while we on the show. I'm gonna scroll. All right. I'm gonna scroll through some of my profiles. I'm gonna find some one of my give, better moments. Give Something it to that, us on the end. I'm gonna give it to you on the end. Something that got a laugh. I'm gonna find one that got a laugh because that's a couple of times. Whenever you get a laugh, you know that you're doing something right. Now, now we talked about this before. All you know, with, with some friends on a Zoom. I, I personally think you know what book are you reading right now is a is a good intro to oh get. Oh my goodness, it's 2021, Chris. Hey, Stop. Bro. You've been married for far too long. <laughs> These girls will laugh your ass off the app. You ask them what book they read. Hey, bro. You know, probably and listen, I'm back. I'm back. Out. That is probably true. <laughs> but like, I'm I'm back out a little bit into the street. So I'm you know I'm 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 back into you know personal meeting people, rolling up on people. You know, good evening. How you doing? Oh man, I saw you from across the room. I've been waiting to talk to you all night. You know, something, something of that nature. Just something. Uh, 
I tell you what, asking what book I had, to, I had to try to get your number. number before the night was over. You know what I'm saying? Like I saw you from across the room, and I knew before I left here tonight, I had to get the courage to come over you, and talk to you and see what you. You talking, talking about? I, I've been married. Come on, it sounds like you've been married a long time. <laughs> come on, man. These lines work, boy. <laughs> I, I asked somebody that the Ingrid Black Culture Club band, man. <laughs> These lines work. I, I try. Listen, listen. If a girl is interested, you, you can say really whatever you want. Bottom line. Yeah, you're right. You it's, it's if you're getting the energy, if you see her peeping you from across the room, not a ball is in your court. You just gotta walk over there. What? Same thing on these dating apps. Like some of them, will, some some people will message you first. You know. Well, look, uh, Erica must have loved me from from sightseeing because I I got it with that book. When I ain't gonna lie. Oh my goodness! Yeah, <laughs> that's why that's why you stuck on that line. That line is not getting shit off in 2021. I can promise you that. Well, I can tell you what else ain't got shit off the goddamn Super Bowl, man. That shit was a whack. That but, was uh, the, most, the most boring game I've seen in a long time, and it was just so disappointing because you know the Chiefs were supposed to supply the high flying offense. You know what I'm saying? Right, exactly, and they scored yeah. nine points. Yeah. So look, before we get into the game. Let's talk about you know all the auxiliary stuff that like like you mentioned the casual fan watches not because of the game but because of the halftime because of the commercial. So let's start with the let's start with the halftime show the weekend. What, what you thought going into it, and then what was your rating of the performance? He was what I thought he was to quote, <laughs> Denny, to, to quote Denny Green. Listen, he's an emo cocaine R and B singer. Like he sings emo. R&B that's for people who go to nightclubs and snort coke like and I don't think that I think that's how he's branded himself right mm -hmm. so I didn't understand how that was ever supposed to fit in a Super Bowl halftime show where you know to me it's the Lady Gaga's the Bruno Mars mm -hmm. the Prince the Michael Jackson this is for showmen I thought he did his best at creating a big nice show but that still didn't change the fact that his music is boring to me you know right. what I mean? To me, and I've always felt like his music was pretty boring. You know, I knew him more because he did like the soundtrack to Fifty Shades of Grey. Like, you know? right. and I'm not saying that I've never listened to his music and enjoyed it, but it's got a time and a place, and I didn't feel like a Super Bowl halftime show at the place. Yeah, like he got a couple songs, but I didn't think that they were Super Bowl worthy. Like, right. first of all, you need an entertainer. You need somebody who's going to entertain the crowd. And without there being a crowd, you really needed someone to steal the show from a from a TV perspective. Um, right. And I don't think he did that. I don't think his songs get you hyped, get you off your feet, get you into what's going on. Um, and, and I don't think he had the name recognition. And, and some people have done it before without the name. Like, I don't I don't know um, if Bruno Mars had like the national appeal, but he won people over in the show. And I, I always thought he was going to do a good job because I thought he was a great entertainer. But um, I didn't think Weekend was a great fit. This is a fail for Jay-Z. This is why you were brought on, Jay-Z. And you got to do better, bro. You gotta do better. <laughs> Sorry. Um, on a commercial tip, I ain't gonna lie. I'm not a big commercial guy. Like I, I, I watched the game. Uh, in COVID, I didn't go to no Super Bowl parties. You know, Erica went watch Housewives or something. Dukes was on Fortnite. So I'm Negro in the game in the in the den by himself. So <laughs> commercials when I got my ass up to go to the bathroom. You know, give me something to eat kind of deal. So I didn't see many. Uh, Erica did see. The preview of the the Michael B. Jordan commercial, so her and her girls was all over the Michael B. Jordan Alexa commercial. Um, 
Well, none of the other commercials really struck me. How about you? Yeah, I mean the Michael Jordan B. Jordan Alexa commercial, the, the the shitty part was they like they aired that like three days in advance. It was all over right. YouTube. So I right. saw it first and I'm like laughing, but I'm like, well, damn, when I see it during the game. But like I said, you know, I'm I'm out at a venue, so I'm not really seeing I can't hear anything. Right. The DJ comes on in Miami when the commercial break starts. All right. So so I I I could see the people's faces, but also that's the time when you move to the bar. That's the time when you start because there's mm -hmm. a lot of there's a lot of like we just talked about there's a lot of women in the place, right? Right. They're not there to see the game. So they there to get hollered at by men who are there to see the game. So that's when I was with, working with them whack ass lines. That's where I was working my magic. Okay. All right. Yeah, so what <laughs> hey you you playing that line worked that night. The the line the line that you were clowning worked that night. All right. So so um, you say I think you might have about as much success as the weekend. That's what listen, I think. The line worked that night. I can't confirm. Um so, but the other ones that I noticed, I, so of course, Cardi B stuck out with Wayne's World. I'm like, what the hell is going on? So I came back home and of course I, I you know, recorded the game. So I came back and I rewound. Of course, I wanted to see the Cardi B one. It was all right. Like I thought it could have been a lot better considering there's Wayne's World and Cardi B, like right. Uber Eats. Like I thought it, 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 the content of the commercial wasn't great. Yeah. Uh, the Bud Light commercial was kind of nostalgic. You know what I'm saying? Cause you had all of these characters from back in the day. Um, the I love you man guy. Um, there's the other dude who says, you know, yes, I am. And they all come together to save Bud Light because the right. truck has crashed and the, the uh, shit's all over the ground. So, you know, those are the kind of the, the ones that stuck out to me. Um, I, you know, they, I, like you said, I'm not the, the biggest commercial person. And I don't I didn't think that this was the year for like the greatest commercials ever. I will say uh, like Hot Cheetos had a commercial. I don't remember what the shit was about but the fact that i remember that it was a hot spicy cheetos commercial i guess bodes well for them uh in a successful commercial for super bowl um but that was about it yeah i, I did see the bud light i thought it was okay um like you said it brought back some some old memories but my, my favorite one till this day is the anheuser-busch commercial when the horses are 11 on 11 Mm -hmm. playing in a field like that that's my all-time favorite yeah i mean any clogsdale super yeah. commercial that that always uh said it all yeah definitely but uh man let's get into the game bro uh we talked about it earlier right it, it was a very boring game from the onset uh neither team could move the ball early on and then tampa bay got a few calls by the refs and kind of ran away with it halftime it was 21-6 it was practically over uh, and, and the second half was just more of just, you know, getting the game, formality, just getting the game over with more than anything. But what, what's your thoughts on, on the game itself, keys to victory for Tampa Bay? It, it was such a hard watch that it's it like I don't even enjoy – like it's not a game that I'm going to enjoy recapping. It's not yeah. exciting to recap. But I think, you know, where you have to really give credit – is to Tampa Bay's defense. Mm -hmm. We talked about the, the the battle of their front seven versus that offensive line, and I don't think when we had that conversation that either one of us imagined that they would dominate on the level that they did. And then not just the front seven, but I think where you really have to give the credit to Todd Bowles is we said Andy Reid's going to get the ball out quick. He's going to scheme the ball out quick to neutralize the pass rush. And Todd Bowles appeared to have looked at every quick pass this dude had. And in the first quarter, he essentially had his scheme around taking away those quick looks. And so it seemed like it stifled Andy Reid. Now, you know, I told you this off the pod, my biggest thing, and I think I tweeted it from my Twitter page several times, like, what the hell is Andy Reid doing? We're 10 plays into the game and they throw 10 damn passes right. with, with 
their their first round pick left tackle out of the game. It was the most asinine game plan from my perspective that I had seen in a long time. And the funny thing is we had talked about if Andy Reid wins this, where does he stand? Well, with the loss, now it brings back all those old conversations about, you know, his stubbornness and, you know, willingness to over over rely on the pass. And that's mm-hmm. what cost him this game. And a lot of people would just call it pure arrogance. Um, Clyde Edwards-Elay was a first-round pick at running back. I text you during the game. And you, the first quarter, you he barely even sniffs the ball. Right. And he had been Finish. out for the last couple of weeks, so he had fresh legs. Fresh legs finished the game with nine carries for 64 yards. A lot of that in the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, and the with his average yards per carry, who knows what happens if you come into the game and commit early to running the ball. You could see Tampa safeties were like 30 yards back downfield. I mean, it was ridiculous. Like you're putting your quarterback in a no-win situation. So, I mean, that was my take homes. Uh, you know, obviously we'll get into the, the officiating thing, but Tampa Bay's defense was so dominant that I think by the end of the game, it it neutralized or nullified any argument that this game was won based off of officiating. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the you know, for all the talk about Brady, Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Gronk, Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, Travis Kelsey, right, all these weapons, it came down to the line of scrimmage, as mm-hmm. it always does, and I think – you know, we talked about both offensive tackles, Kansas City without three of their starting offensive linemen. And in a group chat we have, I, I talked about the front four for Tampa Bay against uh, Green Bay, and I thought they played extremely well against Green Bay. And, and they've played extremely well the last two years. Yeah, the, the whole season, right? Yeah. You got you got Barrett on one end, you got uh, Pierre Paul on the other end, yeah. and Dominic and Sue, I think, kind of flies under the radar because um, he's been in league so long, but at one time he was considered, you know, the best interior defensive lineman, much like Aaron Donald is now. And then, uh, you you know, a lot of people gave them a lot of grief the year they took Vita Vey in the first round, because I think they passed on Derwin James, uh, who ended up being a dominant safety, and their secondary had been really bad. But, you know, then you couple that with uh, Levante David, Devin White, that that part of their defense was never in question. So why I give Todd Bowles a lot of credit is that that secondary that had been abused, right. he coached them up. You know, he like that's all scheme to me exactly. because that's not necessarily Super Bowl caliber talent in a secondary. We watched our, you know, own Teddy Bridgewater smoke that ass, you know, <laughs> that secondary. Yep. And then we watched him clamp down on us this year in the playoffs after we smoked him in two regular season games. And to me, that's just coaching adjustments. Um, so I did hear them say during the, the, the cast, the, the game cast, that Todd Bowles told Carlton, Carlton Davis, like, you're growing. Like with each one of these games, you gave up t- 270 to Tyreek Hill. All right, you're gonna see him again. Get better, right? And so, from his perspective, Carlton Davis just got better. I mean, I saw Devontae Adams smoke him last game. I'm not sold that Carlton Davis has gotten that much better, but I am convinced that Todd Bowles put those dudes in the right situations for those last for that four game playoff run. That's yep. all he needed to do. He had his finger on each one of those offenses. To enough to the extent to where he put his secondary in the right situation and his pat his front seven got enough of a pass rush that those dudes only had to guard for so long. And that's why coaches matter. Like that that shit scheme matters. And they were not gonna let Tyreek Hill beat them deep. And they did everything they could to prevent that. And um I I think it was the key to victory. They had no answer for it. And they were able to get to, to Mahomes. It felt like every play Mahomes was running backwards. 
Right. And that's that's one place where I, I, you know, do fault him a little bit. I get that he did have interior pressure as well. I mean, Dominican Sue had a sack and a half. Right. And I saw a couple of plays where Vita Vea came in. So there wasn't necessarily a pocket for him to step up into. But the old adage is like you cannot turn your back to the line of scrimmage. And a lot of plays he was backspinning. Yeah. very quickly and i get that you get happy feet but the backspin listen i'm a florida state fan they used to call ej manuel the backspin that was like his <laughs> nickname because he used to get these 15 yard sacks right. when you backspin it almost guarantees that instead of like if you sidestep and run out you know maybe you're seven throw. yards yeah, yeah. And, you can, and you keep your eyes down for it, but when you backspin you you don't know who's going to be to your left when you come out the spin and so you inevitably spin further back to avoid anybody who might be to your left or to your right, which then turns the, the run back into a, instead of seven yards, 15. And now all of a sudden you're trying to throw uh, your 30 yards behind the line of scrimmage trying to throw a pass. And right. uh, it just it looked like chaos a lot of plays. But again, I got to go back to Andy Reid because yeah, about to say. when you're seeing this, how do you keep calling them same damn plays? Right. And you're not running the ball. You're not throwing a screen or a short pass to, to a crossing route to Tyreek Hill. Somehow you got to get the ball to your playmakers um, and get the pressure off your offensive linemen, specifically the tackles, who's getting their asses whooped on every play. Um, while coaching was poor on Kansas City side and, and Bowles had his best coaching job, I think, of the season, the referees also played a huge part in the game. There was a lot of pass interference calls. Uh, defensive holding calls, things that you saw the Tampa Bay defense get away with the against last, Green Bay. Yeah, last three couple of weeks. Um, but I, I thought there was some horrible calls, specifically the the uh, defensive holding. Just say on, it on on LSU players on so. Honey Badger <laughs> on the interception. Uh, that that was some bullshit. The tip ball. You don't you don't make that call. We need to get you on the Buku Media LSU pod because <laughs> that's what you keep trying to turn this podcast into. And the, the pass interference on Honey Badger. In the back of the end zone, and the ball went about eight rows deep. Like those yeah. two, not to mention the offsides on the field goal and some other calls. But yes. as a former referee, what, what's your thoughts on on a that female referee set women referees? <laughs> <laughs> she set back when she threw that flag. I see <laughs> this bro- the brother she threw the flag on didn't even rush the field goal. He didn't come out of stance, and the flag came out. I said, "Come on, on the fourth and five. You really gonna call all sides on the field goal? Listen, if you don't throw that flag, nobody second guesses it because right. nobody saw that except you. And guess what? They showed the whole world the replay, and we still didn't see it. Right. I was like number twenty one all sides though. Like, what right. are you talking about? Right, right. If I, anything, it was, was, it was the, other, on the other side. Yes, but but it like that's not who they call. So I was super confused on that one. Um, the to your point, the ref on that side was probably like. They do this shit all the time. I'm not. I'm not throwing that. Right, flag. it's a field goal. Like yeah. on a fourth and five, you literally that was a four point swing because you took the three off and gave them seven. Right. Um, and I believe that would have been the same drive that the interception was thrown, which is another penalty that I thought was absolutely atrocious. When you have a tip ball, it's obviously not a pass interference. I felt it was bang bang tip. And first of all. The pass interference calls two of them that he got, that Mike Evans got, or holdings. Mike Evans pushes off. Every play. So he gets to the top of his route and he shoves. Mm-hmm. And defensive backs tend to hold on because he's six foot five and 230 pounds and he's pushing you. And if you don't grab, you're going to go five yards back. 
right. was the first game. I'm watching them call pass interference when these dudes grab on when they are the smaller player getting pushed off. So when I saw that and then it happened on a tip pass and Teran Matthew intercepts it and it's a total uh, momentum shift and the Chiefs are getting excited. And I, I honestly, I, I got annoyed because some dude next to me when I was like, oh, yeah, that's the interception. Um, he's like, flag, flag on the play. Another one is like, you know, doesn't know anything about football. I'm like, you can't, you can't throw a pass interference flag on a tip pass. Right. And he just was drunk and kept yelling flag at me. I was about to throw a punch. I had to, you know, relax myself. But um, I, I was like, oh, they're gonna conference and pick that up because that's what that's what a right. good official do, and that's what officiating is. That's what you do in that situation. You walk over to the person, you say, hey, it was tipped, and then y'all get together and you say, okay, boom, and you pick the flag up. So I was shocked that that wasn't was I, I just assumed that one was gonna get picked up. Mm -hmm. um, the pass interference in the end zone, they put it on the one, they gave him the 21-6 lead. That was Matthew on Gronkowski. The ball is clearly uncatchable. The pass interference to Mike Evans, feet got tangled up. I was okay with that one just because I felt like it was too much of a game-changing situation to let – I never am the biggest fan of the feet tank feet tangled up because I feel like DBs can do that shit on purpose when they think they're a little bit beat. So I'm okay with that flag, but it was the one the next play on the Honey Badger that turned it from a field goal to a touchdown because it put it on the one where right. the ball was uncatchable that I had a huge problem with. Um, and so even if you just take those few penalties, that all changed the game. But all in all, in the first half, it was eight penalties against uh, Kansas City for 95 yards to one against Tampa for five yards which yeah. is just kind of it's it, it's it was unprecedented it was history right. making in terms of i think it said the chiefs 95 penalty yards in the first half of the super bowl are the most penalty yards against any team in the first half of a game this season right it also said the chiefs 90 penalty yards in the second quarter are the most in a single quarter in super bowl history 90 penalty yards are the most by any team in any quarter of any game since week one of 2018 when the raiders had 110 penalty yards in the second quarter so i mean like you cannot and i talked about this like how you conference as officials it's nationally televised you want to call it but you want to call it fair like when we used to have halftime of games somebody would tell us what the numbers were all right, guys, it's five for one team, two for the other. Let's make sure we being fair. You know what I'm saying? Right. And you knew sometimes if you just had a poorly coached team where, like, man, they're going to – it's not – it's going to be off. But right. this was the Super Bowl. These are two well-coached teams. They wouldn't be here if they weren't. Um, and I think it finished with a 10-1 or 10-2 ratio. Yeah, it, was, it was lopsided. Yeah, and so it, it just – it got a little bit ridiculous. And, and the, I felt like we talked about this off the pot. Like, you could see when Honey Badger's spirit was broken – because he intercepts a ball, they call that back, then they call a pass interference on him and put the ball on the one. And then, you know, I guess this is another one of our topics, but, you know, him and Brady start having a shouting match. I, I felt like he looked unhinged, and I felt like he was their defensive leader, and when he was unhinged, I'm like, that's a really bad sign. I didn't think they were coming back after that. So, so since you brought it up, let's just go to it now. What did Tom Brady say to my <clears throat> man Tyran Matthew? Listen, this is all I'm going to say about it. <laughs> The way Honey Badger act, the way he lost his cool, if it wasn't the N-word, it was he was out of control. Like, I felt <laughs> like that's the only thing that Tom Brady could have said to him in that moment where his reaction was reasonable. Other than that, to me, you unhinged, brother. You need to get a hold of yourself. And and, and I told you all the part. This is why Tom Brady wins, because we watched Drew Brees choke the other game. Yeah. You know, we watched Aaron Rodgers have the ball in situations to, to get it done um, and not get it done. 
Tom Brady doesn't lose his. I mean, that's what we used to, you know, Joe Cool. You know what I'm saying? Right. We were used to watching Joe Namath do. I mean, Joe Montana do it. Joe Namath, for one, was considered to be somebody who was cool, calm, and collected. Brady, you know, football is a team sport. There's 22 people involved. There, you know, in more than that, when you include the special teams players, but he is not going to be the person to make his team lose in big moments. Right. And I felt like the way Honey Badger was behaving in that moment is like you're. Poor, you're poised to make your team lose. You're getting penalties, you know. Yeah, and if you're playing out of – if you're playing with, with so much emotion that you can't focus, then you're no good to your team. And, and as the safety, as the leader of the defense, he was just all out of his game. And I knew at that point that game was over. And if he didn't call him the N-word, it better have been a, a bad mama joke. Other than that – and if you, I if tell you, you what he probably told him. I done bent y'all ass over and run it down y'all, run it down y'all behind, you know, for the first two quarters, and I'm gonna keep coming for the next two. And, and if, if he, that's what he said, if that's what he said, I respect Tom Brady. Right. <laughs> I'm gonna say that shit was warranted. He had no excuse for getting right. mad. That's what he said. Right. I'm running it off in y'all's ass. That's right. exactly what I'm doing. That's what I'm gonna continue to do. Like, and I'm uh, I'm I'm mad that my boy Matthew went on. You know, Twitter said I, I'm he he said something that I I couldn't believe came out of his mouth. You if you got to say what you said. You got to say what Tom Brady told you. Because if you put the thing in his face and you all out of whack, I need to know. You know, expose the mega man for what he is. That, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> but yeah. uh, I thought, like, you know, I just felt like it got to be crying over spilled milk at a certain point. Like, you lost the game. Y'all weren't close. Your offense didn't show up. Like, this wasn't about Brady talking trash and you getting flagged. That that one penalty didn't change the outcome. Nah, not at all. Not at all. And uh, speaking of. You know, Tampa Bay won the game. Brady won his seventh in his tenth Super Bowl appearance. Appearance, and we talked a little bit about this a couple of weeks back. So he solidified his leg. I mean, his legacy was already solidified, but winning the seventh, surpassing you know Michael Jordan in, in terms of championships, albeit in a different sport, is Tom Brady, in your opinion, the goat of all team sports? And then outside of that. Who is your GOAT Mount Rushmore? So I only get five on my Mount Rushmore? I mean, typically that's, that's four. Tough. Four, I mean. But I'll give you. I, we'll go top five. We'll go top five. Yeah. And I, you know, I, so. And I don't need them in order. Just, just GOAT top team five. sports. I can't say yes to that. And I'll even point to what we were just talking about with, when we were watching this basketball game on TNT earlier. I, I do agree that the way football is played and the way it's played currently. Like at 43, Tom Brady is playing seven on seven. I guess his passing scrimmage. They can't hit him. If they hit him, he's they're flagged, right? Um, so I know, you know, we're calling the, oh, the greatest individual athlete in team sports, but the reality is right now he's currently competing at this level because of the way the rules are currently designed, which is totally different from the way it was designed before. If Joe Montana had these same rules, if all those other previous quarterback had those same rules, God knows what they would have been able to do. Um, and so that's part of why I, I personally can't put him over Jordan in addition to basketball players going both ways and having to defend. Like we talked about this when we were talking right. about the, the best you know players in NBA history and talked about, you know, the LeBron Michael Jordan debate. And I, I lean heavily on, you know, Michael Jordan's all defensive team uh, nods and, that to me is something that you can't just overlook when somebody's doing something uh, for, you know, 13, 14 years and like eight of them, they are 
all defense and for about 11 or 12 of them, they're by far the most dominant offensive player. Um, I still think that, and, and like, I know that I can't give Michael Jordan credit for the years that he didn't play, but I do think that you have to evaluate the player because they like to do this with Brady. Oh, 10 of 21 years. Well, then for Jordan, it's, you know, six of however many years, right? Like right. you have to put it against the amount of years that he played. Um, and so I don't think necessarily just because you get seven makes you better than Michael Jordan's. And that's that's where I would rest on the, the team sport thing. I don't I, I think and, and I'm not, you know, you know, I'm not a Brady fan, but I think not not only the fact that he has won seven, which is one more than Jordan, but the fact that he's been to 10. That's unprecedented in the NFL. When you talk about the previous GOAT in the NFL at quarterback, at least, was Joe Montana with four. Uh, you know, Bradshaw had four, but was was never in that conversation, I don't think, uh, in terms of the GOAT. Um, I think Brady just puts himself on another level. I will say, <clears throat> you know, he gets credit for the seven, but in, in, a, in, in a couple of those seasons, he wasn't necessarily the catalyst, right? In the first Super Bowl, that was a defensive-minded team. Uh, he had to drive to kick the game winning field goal, but it was the defense that that really stopped the greatest show on turf and the Rams who were looking for back to back Super Bowl wins. And, and, you know, the, the Patriots beat them. And even this season, as good as Tom Brady was, I think it's, it's I, I think it's, it's, you know, a disservice to just say, hey, they swapped Tom Brady in for Jameis Winston and he won a Super Bowl. You look at all the people who scored touchdowns, Gronk, Antonio Brown. Those were all guys who were Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette had 89 yards rushing in touchdown. In addition to to adding Brady to the roster, not only that, but on the defensive end, you know Devin White missed the, most of the last year. So. It wasn't most, but he did miss a chunk. He missed Tristan. The back Tristan worse was throughout the playoff run graded like I think the top offensive lineman in football, and you know he's a rookie. Antoine Winfield, a rookie, had an interception in the game. Right, and finished like third in, in uh, defensive rookie of the year. So I think it was a lot of additions on his team. But, I, you know, I think the addition of Brady gave the team a belief that they could go and win a Super Bowl. But I think you have to look at in, – in, in the playoffs, I would say the defense was the catalyst more so than Brady. You look at the 100%. Saints game, four turnovers. They had, 20, at, they had 21 points off of 64 yards of offense in that Saints game, all because of the turnovers they forced. Exactly. Uh, in a, the Green Brees doesn't game. turn that ball over. We play ball control. Jared Cook doesn't fumble. I still maintain – I don't say we even win the Super Bowl, but I'd say we beat the Buccaneers. Right, we beat the Buccaneers uh, in, in, the, in the NFC Championship. Brady throws three interceptions. The defense holds Green Bay to six points on those three interceptions, keeping them in the game to, in order to win it at the end. Uh, in the Super Bowl, Brady did have a, a better game than those previous two, but the defense holds Kansas City to nine points and has Mahomes – you know, worst performance of his career. So, like, I, I say the defense was the catalyst to this championship. But, again, not to discredit Brady, but just to say, you know, in a sport like football, it takes, to your point, it takes a lot more. But I'll still say with seven and ten Super Bowl appearances, and, I mean, the best team he ever had, he didn't win a Super Bowl with. That, right. that undefeated regular season with right. the Patriots with Moss. So, I'm going with Brady. Uh, it, it pains me to say that. But uh, teams, you're going with Brady over Jordan. Best I'm going. Team. I'm going with Brady over Jordan. Mm -hmm. Um, but the, the one thing I don't like about it is like with Brady and Jordan, and this is my this is my my LeBron rant with Brady <laughs> and and Jordan. LeBron's not out of the picture now. He's not. No, not he at all. Where's this year? He's he's at five of eleven. Right. Yeah. 
it's yeah. still like he could get the MVP this year. So. That's what I'm saying. But but my whole thing is like with Jordan and Brady, they get all the credit for their team championships. But somehow LeBron is like he can't win it without D Wade. He can't win it without Kyrie. He can't win it without AD. But but we don't bring up Tampa Bay's defense in this run for the Super Bowl. We don't bring in you know the the, the Patriots defense. Listen, listen. At a certain point, your reputation precedes you, and it's about moments. And we're gonna get to this in a second with Patrick Mahomes. But you know you can't live certain stuff down. Um, and some of the biggest moments. I was just looking at the highlight. Ray Allen said that to this day, LeBron James calls him and thanks him for the three he hit against the Spurs. So when you think about that big moment, it wasn't LeBron's moment. It was Ray Allen's moment. Um, he gets to he gets the block against the um, mm-hmm. the Warriors in the, in the comeback, but then he still has the Mavericks, right? And the reality is with Michael Jordan and Tom Brady, we can't think of big choke moments in the Super Bowl or the NBA Finals that define their career. If Brady would have lost to the Packers with three interceptions in the second half, it still wouldn't have registered on the radar because it didn't happen in the Super Bowl. So I think on the largest stage, your career is defined. And because a lot of the casual fans are only going to watch that game. And, and so we'll get to Patrick Mahomes in a second, but he has had two Super Bowls that look nothing like the rest of his regular season games. And, and so in the long run, that's what, is important when people are having the GOAT conversation. How, and, like you gotta have the regular season stats, but you gotta have the performance in that last game. And I, and we we go and but I I'll say this too. I don't think LeBron gets enough credit for his successes in the in in the loss in the first uh Cavs loss to the Warriors. You stuttering now you stuttering trying to defend your boy no, get you, get listen, listen to me. <laughs> where, where Kyrie and Love both didn't play. Uh Love was I out Kyrie know. got hurt in the first like, LeBron he led a 40 point triple double or something. That he led all players in the whole series in points, rebounds, assists, and block shots. And I believe but he, steals. But he lost in five games, right? He that lost six. six. He lost six. in six games, but he should have been, he should have won that MVP. But, anyways, that, that's besides the point. Before we go to, to, to Mahomes, your top five goats, regardless of team or individual sports. Now, I got to, I got to, you know, I got to make this right because I feel like I'm going to have a lot of individual athletes on there if I don't. So I think I'm going Michael Phelps. Oh. Even though met him in person. He's a jackass. Um, but I heard he suffers from anxieties. We give him a little break. I think I'm putting Michael Phelps on there. Uh, we already discussed Michael Jordan and Tom Brady. Um, and Serena Williams. Mm-hmm. Whew, this last one is tough. You let me do five, right? Five. Oh, man. I think I gotta go Tiger Woods, and I, I struggle with it. I struggle with it because I struggle with Serena and Tiger to a certain extent because I don't think that they. Um, well, I know Tiger. He hasn't. You know, he's not gonna catch uh, Jack Nicholas in the Masters. I mean, I'm sorry, in the uh, majors, and so that's where I struggle. But I think that Tiger Woods is everything and some to golf that Michael Jordan was to basketball. So I think that he has to be on. Listen, Ty- Tiger is the one is the one guy I don't think is debatable. Oh, okay. Um, when you talk about him and Jack Nicholas, yes, Jack Nicholas won more majors. Tigers won more tournaments. Um, and the competition and the equipment during Tigers' career, even the playing field, much more than when Jack Nicholas played. Like when you when your when your woods, when your driver was actually wood and not titanium uh, and graphite, which mm-hmm. leveled the playing field. I mean, 
the Masters, which is the the you know the Super Bowl of golf, the the one tournament casual fans watch of golf, uh, non golf fans watch. They Tiger proofed the course because he broke records as as a twenty year old, dominated the field, won by ten plus strokes. Like they changed the way the course. They 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 revamped the whole course because of Tiger Woods. So when you think about him, uh, he's he won four consecutive majors, not in the same year, but four consecutive majors, which will never be done. Um, I don't think in, in the rest of our lifetime or, or my son's lifetime, to be honest. I, I think without a doubt, Tiger. So I, I'm a big Tiger fan. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. But Tiger for sure is there. See where I get like Serena, like Tiger did things nobody's ever done uh, outside of not catching Jack with the mask. With, with the the majors, Serena was was very dominant, but like Steffi Graf, I watched her in her prime. Right, and she won. You know, I think maybe I think Serena may have one more major than her, but but Steffi Graf was dominant. Um, so that's where I kind of like it, start to struggle. But Serena, I'll say, his prime lasted much longer than, than Steffi Graf's, and I think that was impressive for. Uh, yeah, Serena. I feel like Steffi Graf held on. I remember seeing her play well into her older years, and you know, getting. You know, smaller records just based. I mean, we could argue that Tom Brady and Drew Brees just fit into that, but I feel like she did that in tennis. You know what I'm saying? Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I can't argue with those right there. Um, basketball, I go with LeBron. You know how I feel about it. We've had this yeah. debate many times. Yeah. I go with LeBron. Football, you got to go with Tom Brady. I don't, I don't think it's, you know, um, I, I don't think it's any question. And, and, Shoot a fifth one, man. That's that's hard because you got to start thinking about like gymnastics. I'm gonna throw some names out there. I'm gonna throw some names. Usain Bolt. Usain Bolt. What about Carl Lewis? Floyd Mayweather. Fl Floyd. Uh. Usain Bolt. Don't uh, you can't name uh, uh, <laughs> Carl Lewis and, and Floyd. I'm mean, sorry, and Usain Bolt can't be in the same sentence. Say, bro. You saying you saying Carl Lewis? Carl Lewis won a gold in like the long jump or some shit. Like you, you talking about a, a multi-sport athlete, all right? Not some freak who was probably on steroids. <laughs> but, but uh I see, I don't know. I struggle with Floyd too, because we, we talked about this off the pod. Like, I don't feel like he beat any big time fighter in their prime. I know he beat Dylan Hoyt. You, you a Floyd hater. I, I rattled hater, off bro. I, just, I rattled off the victories too, and you still don't respect that man. He beat, beat the old ass Oscar De La Hoya, man. Old ass Oscar De La Hoya. That's and look, Carl Lewis versus Usain Bolt. Uh, Carl Lewis did 100, 200 long jump. Usain did 100, 200, 400. Uh, number of gold medals, 10 for Carl Lewis, 9 gold. And then Usain, 9 all gold. Mm. That's that's their Olympic medals. I'm not even getting into all the other stuff. But here's what matters to me. Personal best in the 100, 986 for Carl Lewis in 91, 958 for Usain Bolt. Please. And what year? Next what year topic. was this? Look, what personal was this? best in the 200. 1975 for Carl Lewis in 1983. 1919 for Usain Bolt. Please, this man would dust this boy. This thing ain't man. even worth the conversation. Carl Lewis was Carl running Lewis. in Jesus sandals. Not, not, not they got, you Carl know, Lewis would be Asics. Usain Bolt's dust. Not, so, now you got Nike <laughs> shoes that don't feel like they're even on your feet and shit. Who, man. Is your, who is your fit? Who is that fit person? I mean, we still got a Muhammad Ali out there that we haven't even thrown on this on this wall like somebody got to put muhammad up yeah that's what i was gonna say i mean you got i, I feel like you got to put a boxer because you're talking about the ultimate individual sport right. um so I, i'll go with ali and and i'll go with ali not only for 
for what he did on in the ring. But you talk about, you know, especially like in the times now, we talk about social injustice and, and, and taking a stand as an athlete. He did it when his ass went to jail for doing this shit. He gave you know, up so. the belt. He didn't fight. Like he, he up the prime of his career. Everything. And, you know, I'm not even comparing to Kaepernick. I'm just going to say that he still came back and, and continued to perform. One, one oh, given yeah. the opportunity. I mean, um, and, and all these guys, Kaepernick, LeBron, all, all these guys who are doing what they're doing now, they are doing it following the blueprint of Muhammad Ali. Right. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Um, I know we got a little sidetracked, but real quickly, let's talk a little bit about Mahomes' legacy coming off the loss, right? This one is quick. This is a quick topic. Uh, you're going to stop hating on Mahomes. I'm not, hate, I've been calling him a homeboy all this time. You hate on my man. Is that he's played in two Super Bowls and his two Super Bowl appearances. It, Super Bowl one, he went 26 for 42 for 286, two touchdowns and two interceptions. And he was the Super Bowl MVP. Super Bowl two, he goes 26 for 49, 270 and two interceptions. Let me tell you something. In his last two seasons, I believe. He threw like five interceptions in one and six in the other. And now he has four combined Super, uh, Super Bowl interceptions. I'm just going to say that he hasn't performed up to the level of his regular season games and, you know, playoff games in the Super Bowls. And long term, that could be a problem. Now, here's what I will say about all of that. And I'm going to put aside the issue of the offensive line for this game. He came on LeBron's barbershop and said when he got to the NFL, he didn't know how to read defenses. And I think that is still part of the issue that we're seeing. When Aaron Rodgers, when Tom Brady, when Drew Brees come to the line of scrimmage, used to be the same way with Peyton, there's really not that much you could throw at them at the line of scrimmage that they hadn't seen before. So they can typically figure out where the weakness in the defense is and what they need to attack. If you can't read the defense, you're heavily reliant, reliant upon the play call and the scheme. And the receiver that you're supposed to go to based off of the play call. And I think that's where Ty Bowles had an edge because he knows my front seven can get there and I can take away your first read. Now, can you go through your progression? And I think we saw that he still struggles with that. He's only 24, 25 years old. Like he's not, you know. So you're telling, me, you're telling me a league MVP who's thrown for 50 touchdowns in this one of only three people to throw for 50 touchdowns in the season, uh, three consecutive 4,000 plus yard seasons. Back to back Super Bowl appearances, Super Bowl MVP can't read a defense. That's what that's what that's he said when he got to the league. He did not know how to read a defense. Right when he got to the league, he's a four year veteran. Obviously, there's levels to this shit, and obviously, he's not expert level defense (laughs) reader. Right? See, I I I feel like I think when you get two weeks to scheme for somebody for a Super Bowl game. That's when you can, you know, mix up your coverage a little bit. Listen, as Saints fans, we all remember when Greg Williams said that when they played Peyton Manning in the Super Bowl, the way they were able to slow him down is they created four completely separate game plans. And in Jonathan Vilma, you know, a great defensive signal caller, every quarter they had a completely different game plan. So when Peyton felt like he adjusted to one, he had to readjust to the other. So it was only by the back end of any quarter that he was figuring out what he was going against. That's what the type of shit that happens in the Super Bowl, that if 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 you're not expert level at reading defenses, that's just going to catch you up. I, I feel like that's a lazy and that's a dangerous assessment of Patrick Mahomes. This man is a league MVP, a Super Bowl MVP. So, so we can't and use his own words struggled. against him. We can't use his own no, words against you him. Okay. You can't use his words in the fourth year in a, in a second Super Bowl appearance. He was on the barbershop like eight months ago. 
Yeah, and he said when he entered into the league, that means your first year, attorney, sir. Um, he's four years in. Okay, do do not use those. You know that, that's that's kill as that's buzzwords that destroy black quarterbacks. And I I refuse to let you throw out this man can't read a damn defense. And second of all, it's it's lazy and, and it's sloppy because he was missing three of his starting five O linemen. And what he was missing in the game against the 49ers. And I, what he was what he was missing in. He was the lead. He was the Super Bowl MVP. That's what he was missing. I don't know. Obviously, he wasn't missing nothing. Two and he threw five over 16 games, six over 16 games, and then not two in yeah. the Super Bowl. What, obviously, his, his, his coaches and his players around him choke in the big and game. That, that's everybody, the problem. Everybody but his fault, huh? I mean, when the DN's living in the backfield more than Clyde Edwards, he left, we got a problem. All right. We got a problem. So legacy wise, I just feel like, you know, I, you know, I, realistically speaking, in this day and age, I don't see anybody going to 10 Super Bowls again. I mean, that that was a confluence of events that took place for Tom Brady. You know, everybody now is down on Bill Belichick, but that's bullshit. We know that Bill Belichick yeah. was the author of a lot of those early Super Bowls. Tom Brady may have carried them later, but we know that early it was Belichick. And I don't think Andy Reid is on Belichick's level. I think that this is a different scenario where Belichick, I mean, where Andy Reid is benefiting a lot from Mahomes. And one could argue based on the game plan he served up in this game, he held him back, you know, that if he would have, and I'll get to this in a minute, if he would have been more focused and had a better game plan, maybe this kid is, you know, two Super Bowls in right now. And, and I mean, you know, you you bring up a good point, right? Like Brady carried carried Belichick more on, on the back end when when he had less offensive weapons. But let's not forget what is it, two or three years ago the Patriots beat the Rams thirteen three in the Super Bowl, right. and the right. defense you know won that Come game. On, so, right, the Rams had they were running up points on people, and then yes. all of a sudden they can only put up three points. So I, I want to be real careful about you know giving Brady too much. And like we said, Brady showed up in Tampa. Like they're saying, oh, well, he's the GM. Belichick's the GM. He didn't get him weapons. Yeah, well, Gronk didn't want to play anymore and, you right. know, held the, the franchise hostage to get over to Tampa Bay. And and then Kraft bent over backwards to accommodate Gronk exactly. and Tom Brady. So, like, these are things that have, don't happen for a lot of other players where they're gifted their releases and they're allowed to go sign this one and go sign. And everybody's, you know – Antonio Brown and Leonard Fournette are taking one million. Like that's not happening everywhere. So right. you call it the Brady effect and give him credit for that, but he did have way more talent there than he had when he was a Belichick. And you know, you you just weren't getting that there. So yeah, and, and I mean, I'll and they say did this. try to get him Antonio Brown there. Antonio Brown couldn't keep his ass out of trouble. <laughs> right. I, I'll say this on on Mahomes' legacy. I don't think it impacts him much at all. I mean, the kid is only starting for his third year. He's been to two Super Bowls. He's won one. He's got a league MVP under his belt. So his legacy is still intact, and he still can do great things. I, you know, I, I think he wins three or four Super Bowls. Listen, we're still started. sitting here talking about LeBron versus the Dallas Mavericks. So my point is that you don't get to delete this no matter what you do after it. And that's that's my point oh, about yeah. like Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, Joe Montana. Those players never had moments like this on the big stage. And so this will always follow you. You can't. I, I, I agree. It's it always on your on your resume. But let's 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 face it. Right. Brady's been a 10 and one seven, so he's lost three as well. So, you know, yeah, but I mean, he had 500 yards in one of those losses, you know? Yeah. He also had all five of his starting linemen too. <laughs> <laughs> so I see that. Uh, anyways, uh, moving on past the Super Bowl, but sticking to quarterbacks, there's this quarterback carousel going on that, that there's a lot of movement. 
I first want to talk about Russell Wilson came out. There was a, a meme of, of him in a uh, suite with Sierra, his wife, and Roger Goodell. And, and he Goodell looked very is talking, unhappy. He looked, and Goodell is talking to Sierra, and he looks very disinterested. So he came on the radio on, on Dan Patrick's show today, or, or yesterday it might have been, and, and talked about you know how he's pissed off that he wasn't in the game, and he frankly doesn't enjoy watching the Super Bowl if he's not in it. And he talked a lot about you know he's getting a little – tired of the hits he's taken i think they came out with a stat saying he's been hit 69 more times since the start of his career than any other quarterback and he wants yeah. yeah so he wants some say so in, in some personnel decisions uh I've, I've always felt like the seahawks have sacrificed their offensive line because they didn't feel like they needed it because he can make plays with his feet i've always felt like that and i felt like they tried to spend the money on the defense and then let him be houdini as a quarterback so you start to wonder what, what you know, Deshaun Watson putting pressure on the Texans. Now, Russell Wilson, who's typically a company man and, and you know, says all the right things, politically correct. Like that was kind of odd him saying that. And, and Dan Patrick asked him, Do you, will you be a Seattle Seahawk? And he said, that's, that's up to the Seahawks. I just want to win, which is kind of like the death sentence freeze. Because you yeah. saying you want to win is kind of a, a jab at Seattle saying you can't win there. Listen, I feel like, and we're going to get to this in a second, I feel like quarterbacks feel emboldened. Yeah. Wentz yeah. has not done anything to deserve the level of the voice that he has in Philly. They got a Super Bowl coach fired, right? Listen, listen, and I, I want to wait. I'm before, you there, before, before you go there, before you go there right quick, I just want to get to this. Um, do you think there's any way Russell Wilson is not in a Seattle Seahawks jersey next year? I don't. I, I don't think Pete Carroll lets that happen. You know what gotcha. I'm saying? I don't think Pete Carroll lets that happen. I think that they're too close for that. He's tethered his whole entire career, in my opinion, as an NFL head coach to Russell Wilson. And I don't think there's any way he lets him out the door. What I think is happening is Carson Wentz. I think these other quarterbacks saw the leverage that he was able to use as a guy who really hasn't won anything. I think Mahomes then said, well, why? I'm not Mahomes. I'm sorry. Deshaun Watson said, why don't I do the same thing? I feel like Brett Favre called him out. The national media jumped all down Brett Favre's throat. Right for like so. I feel like Russell Wilson saw that and was like, this is my time to speak up. I'm in the same situation as Deshaun Watson. I'll be back there running for my life, too. And I've won a Super Bowl, something that Wentz and Watson have never done. Listen, the word on uh, Deshaun Watson is that he wants to go somewhere where he has a say-so on who they sign. And that's why he liked the Jets and he liked uh, he liked the Jets more than the Dolphins because he felt like he'd have more say-so and control uh, of, 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 you know, team's management decisions and so i think that if you are russell wilson and you're hearing that you're thinking how does this guy gonna get this guy i've been in two super bowls Mm -hmm. and i've been hit more than him so i think that that emboldened russell wilson i think that's all that we're seeing and i think he's just he's flirting with the idea of using his leverage at what he's 33 now i think and so i think he's he's, not getting younger yeah he's not getting younger and realistically speaking tom brady is playing at 43 and why is he playing because he don't get hit Right. So I think that Russell Wilson has to know he's going to either be Ben Roethlisberger looking old and rickety at 37, or he can be Tom Brady still, you know, able to play at 43. I'll say this, the Homer in me, there's been reports that the Saints reached out to, to Seattle to, to talk trade. You know, he's always admired Drew Brees, similar height, you know, similar accuracy. I think Sean Payne could do wonders with him. You know, I don't think we get him, but boy, it'd be funny. Listen, Deshaun Watson... I'm guaranteeing NFC Championship. Russell Wilson, I'm guaranteeing the Super Bowl. I think that's how well he fits our offense. Yeah, I agree. 
Agreed. I heard somebody on local radio say they would prefer Deshaun Watson because of his age, but I, I disagree. I, I think he also Russell has a more substantial injury history. Yeah. And, and I think Russell Wilson's skill set and, and Sean Payton knows how to coach to his his talents, you know, right. like his accuracy. Right. A lot of Deshaun Watson's plays, great yeah. plays can be broken plays. It's playground. Not, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not Sean, Sean Payton's style. He wants you to run his offense. Definitely. Um, you now you you brought up Carson Wentz, who I who I had next on the list to talk about, uh, parting with Philly. Word is Philly wants Matt Stafford esque compensation. They said um, they're not blown away by any of the offers, and, and they like, shouldn't be. Yeah, you bitched his ass yeah, because everybody's looking at you. Yeah, like like y'all wilding. Like he's yeah. not on that level. And furthermore, an argument can be made. Everything that he did do was by virtue of them catering the offense to him. I don't know that he's the type of quarterback that, you know, can go anywhere and play any style of offense. So, I, I mean, I'm just not – I'm not um, surprised that they're not able to get the – and the thing is, the way the current quarterback market is, they're saying Derek Carr is on the trade market. They're saying Marcus Mariota is on the trade market. And I don't know what group Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, and as some of these coaches, I don't know what they're doing because it's like you tethered yourself to – San Francisco, you tethered yourself to Jimmy Garoppolo. You offered him all that money. Now you acting like he's not on the level. I heard they were potentially trying to trade for Kirk Cousins. To me, they're on the same level, right? Um, Agreed. Carson Wentz, Agreed. Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, um, they're all about on the same level to me. Like, and from I mean, my standpoint – your quarterbacks. And from my standpoint, you went to the Super Bowl with Garoppolo. Right. And, and you were a fourth-quarter lead away from winning the Super Bowl. So right. – like you said, what go get Kirk Cousins for what? Like you've proven you can go there with Garoppolo. Um, right, you still mad he overthrew Emmanuel Sanders? Like get, <laughs> get over it. I feel like that's just Shanahan being like, I called the right play and he couldn't execute it. Therefore, I can't win with him. And I think it's the same thing with Derek Carr. His hands are small, too small. He turns the ball over. I think Derek Carr and Jared Goff are a lot alike. I think Sean McVay views uh, Jared Goff the same way that um, Chucky, John Gruden, views Derek Carr. And they think that they're somewhat like physically limited in terms of arm talent. But like you said, like he took you to a Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? Now you're going to go try to get this big arm quarterback thing that's going to take you over the top. And I don't know what big arm quarterback John Gruden thinks he's about to make a trade for. I don't, like who's out there? Who are you going to go right. get? Um, same with Mariota. Like who are you going to trade him to and for what? I, I The quarterback carousel thing is a little bit crazy to me. It seems. And like if they don't stop talking about trading average ass quarterbacks, and wanting two first-round draft picks. I mean, I told you last week, I thought the Rams were stupid as hell for trading, for giving up what they gave up to get Stafford, who's never won a playoff game. Same with Wentz. I don't know that he has a one playoff victory. Both playoff runs where they won a Super Bowl and, and went to the, the divisional round against the Saints and lost were with foes at quarterback because Wentz couldn't finish a goddamn season. And so now for a quarterback that you bench with four games left um, and fired a coach for, now you want two first round draft picks? Like, I, right. get out of here, man! Like, I'm not giving you that shit off GP because I got to take that highest salary for average average ass quarterback. Right. And uh, but I did want to ask you with, with Wentz. Um, it looks like we're, they're gonna get an offer at some point or something. They're gonna have to take. What do you think is the ideal landing spot for him? I mean, everybody keeps saying Indianapolis just because that's where um, you know his former head coach was, obviously, and. Or his former offensive oh, coordinator, yeah, Frank yeah. Wright. Mm -hmm. And then you talking about, you know, offensive line that's built to win now, Pet, you know, Rivers retiring. I think that that 
I kind of think the Eagles are just going to cave, you know, and, yeah. and whatever it is that the Colts are going to be offering, they're going to end up, you know, giving yeah, up. Yeah, definitely. Which is so weird to me because I feel like they went and got this guy from the Colts coaching staff in order to satisfy Wentz. So I thought that was a done deal, but now it looks like, you know, it's still going to have to part ways. Definitely. Well, uh, like to me, like, why did you fire your head coach if you're still going to get rid of him? That's what I don't understand. That's that seems like the dumbest shit in the world to me. Like, you fired him because I thought <clears> you wanted to keep him. Now you're bringing a coach and now you're still getting rid of him. So, you know, you could have kept your staff, but, you know, that's the Eagles for you. So uh, let's jump into our winners and losers right quick before we get out of here. Um, start us off, Rob. What you got with your winners? So I'm I'm throwing an alley-oop to LSU uh, with my first winner, finally giving y'all some credit. My girl Lolo Jones, now a world champion in two different sports. Uh, she won those crowns in three different decades. Super impressive. She's a two-time indoor hurdles champion, and she just began bobsledding. It's crazy that that's 10 years ago because it feels like that was just yesterday. Um, but now she is a champion in bobsledding. If you remember Lolo Jones, she's the 60-meter hurdles champion in 2008 and 2010. She went to the Olympics as a hurdler in 2008 and 2012, and she had that lead. Uh, I believe it was in the 08 Olympics was that in Beijing. Um, when she tripped over the second to last hurdle when she had a far out lead in first place. And so now she's part of the bobsled team and she just won the world championship in the in the two person bobsled. I think her, her partner in this was is a very talented bobsledder, but got to give her credit uh, for being on the team. Low, low LSU grade, I might add. Yeah, okay. All right, well, I pointed that out already. Second winner is Utah Jazz. Look, we talked about it. Shaq called out Rudy Gobert, made memes of the man. Talk trash about his contract. Shaq called out Donovan Mitchell, said you don't have no second level. You can't carry a team. All they've done is won 16 of their last 17 games, 13 of those games by double digits. They have the best record in the NBA, 20 and 5. Um, <clears throat> they're on pace for 65 win season. This is the best start in Utah Jazz history. And they beat the, what was it, the uh, Boston Celtics tonight final score. I want to say it was, uh, it was like 113-105 or something like that. Um, but shouts out to them not letting, you know, Shaq tear the team apart internally. And now he's on TNT taking credit for it, as a matter of fact. <laughs> Only uh, Shaq. Saying that this is why he did it. 122 to 108. Shit. So that's now their 14th uh, double-digit win in a row. Um, and so they are my second win this week, the Utah Jazz. Um, let me start with my man Todd Bowles, and and just overall, I would say it was a, it was a great Super Bowl for black coordinators, right? You had three black out of coaches four, and black assistants in general. Like, yeah, three out of your four coordinators were black. Um, Bienemy on, on Kansas City, and then Todd Bowles and in, in, in Byron Leftwich. And, and let me give my man Byron Leftwich some credit right quick because I feel like um, what's the guy in uh, Josh Daniels in 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 new england made a career off of tom brady got the job in denver got fired went back to new england got all got an offer accepted and turned then turned it down with, with indianapolis and he's still getting interviews even when he turned the offense into shit with cam newton but now byron leftwich gets tom brady goes on to win a super bowl you know gets all those those big those big egos antonio brown gronk to go along with mike evans and godwin and gets him in sync and wins a super bowl and he's not getting any credit and i think that's just doing that man a disservice but but the man of the hour and, and they did say during the game that that bruce arian said uh byron leftwich has complete control he's calling all of the plays in this offense definitely yes 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 um but but i think the man of the hour was Ty Bowles. we talked a lot about it early on in the pod you know Defense held Kansas City to nine points. 
Patrick Mahomes to this worst <laughs> outing of his career. Um, and, and we talked about, you know, overcoming Brady's interceptions against Green Bay, as well as the four turnovers they got in, in New Orleans to, to beat the Saints in the Dome um, after losing to them twice in the regular season. So I, I think this playoff was all about Todd Bowles and that defense really leading the charge to, to Tampa be winning that Super Bowl. My second winner, Allen Fanica, the big uglies. They don't get enough love on the offensive line, get into the Hall of Fame. This man is a 13-year pro, pro, nine-time pro bowler, Super Bowl winner, All-American at LSU. He's the sixth, only the sixth LSU uh, Tiger to to go into the Hall of Fame, but but I'm sure there's many more coming behind behind the pipeline. But he joins one of the most star-studded Hall of Fame classes uh, in recent history in this 2021 class feature. Yeah, which begs the question how he became your winner when Calvin Johnson, knows. Calvin Johnson and Peyton Manning go into the Hall of Fame and we talking about Alan Fanica. Because I mean, everybody can we, knows. Can we talk about a homer. Peyton, Listen, please, Calvin, out, the box pad, out the box pod, please call Chris Winden and bring him on one of your LSU pods so he can talk. And maybe I'll call up Jimmy Details and y'all do an LSU pod so I can stop having to listen to him talk about LSU all podcast, every podcast. Shit, man. I'm surprised we didn't get you know Devin White speech you know already. I I, I thought about it. The man okay. had ten solo tackles. And, and all right, let tackles. me let me get to my losers since we about to run over time. <laughs> my first loser, and I say this with a heavy heart, and this is not meant. Do to you be, really? Do you really? I do, I, and it's not meant to be an attack on an individual or a family. But the Reed family with the Super Bowl, it was just a really bad weekend for them. Dad loses the Super Bowl in, in an embarrassing fashion, and a lot of the national media is giving him a lot of grief, um, referring to him as stubborn and arrogant in the way he called the game offensively. Um, and in that same week, his son, you know, is potentially facing significant jail time. And I feel like the national media is just tap dancing around it. Uh, I mean, the reports are that his son, Britt, Britt Reed, who is the outside linebacker coach, a uh, 35 year old young man driving drunk driving um and drove onto the shoulder of the road it appears where there appeared to have been some cones and different things of that nature and slammed into two parked cars injuring uh, a 5 year old inside of one of the cars police the police reports that the driver of the vehicle suffered non life threatening injuries um but he was being investigated for possible impairment everybody's referring to it as if he was definitively intoxicated. He is someone who has struggled with uh, drug and alcohol addiction in the past. He's one of uh, Reed's five kids, and everyone probably remembers uh, that Reed's other son uh, suffered from a heroin overdose and was found in the Eagles training facility back in 2012. Um, And so it's just, you know, a lot of really bad family luck for Andy Reed. And it seems to surround his coaching career you know one being with the eagles and now this one being with the chiefs and just my my limited knowledge of how these types of cases work i mean this young lady's in critical condition um you know you're looking at a potential vehicle vehicular homicide if she passes away and if not you're still looking at like some type of vehicular negligent injuring with her age and the potential significant injuries that's potential significant jail time and i don't Feel like people wanted to touch on it because it's a touchy subject, but I don't see how you could be a father of a 35 year old son and have this looming over you and be totally focused on his football game. And I, for one, believe that it was a distraction. My mother texts me because, you know, she's all in her cell phone now. She's figured out how to read the news on the Internet. <laughs> and she texts me. She's like, 
I believe this coach is truly distracted tonight. This doesn't look like the Patrick Mahomes. And I'm like, what, Mom, what do you know about what Patrick Mahomes looks like? <laughs> but she's like, there's just no way he would play this bad. His coach is calling bad plays because his son is facing jail time. And, you know, that's probably from stuff she's heard from me over the years, just hearing about cases and whatnot. And so I agree with her. And that's why the Reed family, not as, you know, people are losers, but they lost the week, in my opinion, because it's a sad set of circumstances. And I feel like they took two big losses at the same time. One loss isn't complete, but I, I believe it's coming. My my second loser, listen, I know we got a lot of Howard University losers. Y'all's basketball program is our second loser this week. Yo, we try to tell y'all, I went to an HBCU. The athletic department was not ready for McCore Maker. The basketball program was not ready for McCore Maker. The Bison were one and four this year. McCore Maker played two games. They have canceled their entire season. This young man, you know, had a potential lottery level talent and his first year of college basketball is a complete wash and potentially his entire basketball college basketball career he might just have to go into the league now with a groin injury it makes no sense we talked about the money issues covid was the worst time for him to make a decision like this because as we talked about hbcus weren't going to have the money for the testing i was even in some clubhouse rooms they talked about it they were not poised to 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 carry the weight of the testing necessary to complete a college athletic season. And here we see it. They only played five games. He only played two. It's essentially a lost year for him. He was already old enough to go into the draft. So now he just basically wasted another year of his career. And this is why there's a fear to go to HBCUs when you're a top level talent. It's not, I mean, if everything works out, yes, you probably will still get drafted where you would have otherwise gotten work, uh, drafted. But if you do get injured, you're not gonna have the rehab facilities, the training staff, the, you know, just the dedication of the resources to get you where you need to be, to get you back on the court. And in this case, they didn't even have the ability to do the testing to have a complete college basketball season. So Howard University basketball program is my second loser. Listen, we called this. We called this and we tried to that's be nice about calling it. And here we are looking at what we knew was going to happen. So that's why they're my second loser. And unfortunately for Howard and for the HBCUs, you could set you could set this thing back even longer because now you're going to have more kids hesitant to do what Maker did because of what happened to him. So, negative you know, re negative recruiting. Like yeah. all they're gonna they're gonna any kid who even mentions an HBCU, they're gonna say, remember McCore Maker. And on that note, Bethune Cookman and Maryland Eastern, which are both MEAC schools, have also already canceled their basketball season. Not 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 an HBCU host ride on the back of one Deion Sanders at Jackson State <laughs> University to see if he can do something. I, I will be watching those games, by the way. Um my on to my losers right quick before we get out of here. NFL offensive rookie of the year award. The awards were given out. The Rookie of the Year, Offensive Rookie of the Year Award was given to Justin Herbert, who wasn't a bad selection, but was still the incorrect selection. Yes, he had a good year. He was sixth in passing yards. I believe he was 10th in touchdown passes. But the guy who should have won it, he just happens to be an LSU alum. People, I can't make this shit up. <laughs> oh, Justin Jefferson, 88 catches, 1,400 yards. If, if you're a football fan, you know he played for Minnesota. Who owns all the rookie records, rookie receiving records in Minnesota? The Hall of Famer, Randy Moss. He broke Randy Moss' record. But not only did he break Randy Moss's single season receiving yard record, he broke Anquan Bolden's Florida State alum um, rookie record in the history of the NFL uh, in receiving yards, uh, which was like 1370-something. So Justin Jefferson broke it with 1,400 yards. He also broke Moss's uh, Minnesota Vikings record 
uh, of 69 catches as a rookie with 88 catches of his own. This guy broke records, was the best rookie, um, produced the best stats. He was fourth in the league in receiving yards among all receivers. NFL got it wrong, but again, that's not very surprising. My second loser, college basketball blue bloods. Duke, UNC, Kentucky, Kansas, and UCLA, all powerhouse programs, are all outside of the top 25 for the first time since 1961. That's right, 60 years. That's crazy to me. And it's just another indication of, of just the craziness going on with COVID-19 and its impact on, on sports, specifically college athletics. Um, so we're going to end it there with our losers. But, Rob, before we get out of here, Oh, uh, we out of time. I ain't got time for no uh, most unique question. <laughs> I don't have no time. I didn't have time to go look it up. I will tell you a couple things to uh, on my bingeable watch list. Check out Disgraced on Showtime, the story of the Baylor scandal where the player, uh, basketball player, was killed. And also uh, go check out that Cordell Stewart article where he talks about you know kind of being shunned by the national media after allegations of uh, receiving you know. Uh, a blowjob in a you know park somewhere in a car and how it completely impacted his his NFL career. Slash, come on the pod, it's your boys, New Orleans baby, holla at your boy. Gotta have to tune in next week to get Rob's best pickup lines off of Tinder and Bumble. We're gonna still be waiting. <laughs> We're gonna still be waiting. <laughs> All right, that's all we got. Man. We got up in between churning babies. Right about now, it's your boy. You heard back again. DJ Manny, fresh, 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 fresh.